Amen. Thank you so much. Would you take your copy of God's Word and turn with me there to that passage that William read in Matthew chapter 5. The song they just sang is titled, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. It was written by Philip Bliss. He wrote it after hearing a sermon and as D.L. Moody was the preacher, D.L. Moody was famous for telling stories. And D.L. Moody told a story that prompted this song to be written. It's recorded that Moody told this story and said this, On a dark, stormy night, when the waves rolled like mountains and not a star was to be seen, a boat rocking and plunging near the Cleveland Harbor. Are you sure this is Cleveland? asked the captain, seeing only the light from the lighthouse. Quite sure, replied the pilot. Where are the lower lights? Gone out, sir. Can you make the harbor? We must, or perish, sir. And with a strong hand and a brave heart, the old pilot turned the wheel. But alas, in the darkness, he missed the channel. And with a crash upon the rocks, the boat was slivered and many a life lost in a watery grave. Brethren, concluded Moody, the master will take care of the great lighthouse. Let us keep the lower lights burning. And in hearing this illustration, P.P. Bliss wrote this song, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. It's a, an elegy, for Jesus has declared that he is the light of the world, but he has also declared that we as his disciples we as his followers are also little lights. And do we let our light shine? I don't know how many of us are sailors and know what this is all about, but um, I hear on Lake Michigan, even in other places, there's lighthouses. Been up to see the lighthouse. We all go see the lighthouse of St. Joe, right? That's the focal point. We take pictures in front of it. None of you ever gone and taken a picture next to the lower lights. Do you know there's lower lights? Uh, just back on the 4th of July, I had the privilege to go on a fishing trip, and we left from St. Joe. And we went on out right through as the, at the break of dawn, right by that lighthouse. And I was watching the lighthouse, and you know what? I never even considered the lower lights. All the little lights along the way. I wonder if any of you have ever gotten your picture taken to a lower light. Look at that. Nothing special about the lower lights. Or is there? Well, the truth is, for the glory, there's nothing special about it. That's why none of you get a picture. But I ought to ask this. How many of you have ever gotten yourself a picture next to a lighthouse? Oh, there's, oh my, yes. Well, in the Christian life, Jesus is the lighthouse. He's the great light of the world that shines in darkness. 
And when we as Christians believe in the Lord Jesus, he puts his light inside of us. For his Holy Spirit moves inside and lives inside of us, and we become the little lights, the lower lights, the lights that point people to Jesus. You see, the heavens declare the glory of God. Most men know there is a God. They know they need to have a relationship with him. That's just simple fact because God created every single man in his image, and every single man needs God. But they don't always know how to find him, though he ever shines so bright. And just as you may be out on Lake Michigan coming in at the end of the day, or it's not yet light and you're coming in in the morning, you see the lighthouse, but the pilot needs to see those lower lights that are also pointing to the lighthouse. And the analogy here in D.L. Moody's sermon that P.P. Bliss put to song is that we are the little lights. Are we shining bright for Jesus? Let's just read Jesus' words. He declares in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth, and if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot. Salt is really important in a lot of parts of life. If you don't believe me, just sweat a lot and then feel lightheaded, and you'll know how important it is. But then he goes on in verse 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Look with me there at verse 14 as he declares, Ye are the light of the world. As I meditated on this, I began to think, wait a minute. What am I? Who am I? Am I the light of the world? You realize the incredible privilege of being able to be called the light of the world. Think about it for a moment. And if you have any basis in theology about the concept of light and darkness, and you begin to think about the fact that Jesus said, you are the light of the world, that's a big deal. Why? We have to look at a different scripture to understand why this is a huge deal. Take your Bibles and turn with me over to John chapter 12, or I'm sorry, John chapter 8, verse 12. Some of you already know where we're going here. Why is it so special that Jesus says to his disciples, those who believe in him, those who follow him, ye are the light of the world? Why is that so special? The reason is that we find Jesus makes a great I am declaration. Throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, he made several declarations declaring, I am. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the door. 
And here in John chapter 8 and verse 12, he said, I am the light of the world. Now for a moment, stop and think with me. He declares here in John chapter 8 that he is the light of the world. But then over in Matthew chapter 5, he says that ye, we, are the light of the world. Wow. You know what he's basically declaring? Is that we can be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, he actually explains it right here. John chapter 12, of John chapter 8, verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You see, when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you follow him, you are translated from darkness unto light. And you have, you have the light of life burning within you. Does that make you excited? I sure hope it does. I sure hope it does. I don't know how you express excitement. Maybe by a smile, maybe by a frown. I'm not sure. But are you excited that you have the light of life inside of you? I know we're Baptists. We don't say amen or hallelujahs around here, do we? Yes, I, there's my Derek. Amen. So be it. How glorious this is. You see, the reality of the truth is, is that this world is dark, and we, when we are born into this world, are born into darkness. But Jesus is the light of the world. And Jesus was born, and he came, and he brought light into this world. And though he died, well, he really laid his life down so that his light could be spread abroad across the face of the entire earth and throughout all time. He's the light of the world. And you and I have the incredible, glorious privilege of being translated from darkness into light. We have the incredible privilege of actually having the light of life living inside of us. That should change our lives. That should make a difference. This morning, have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and become one of his disciples, one of his followers, and received the light of life? Glory, hallelujah, if you have. Because you see what happens if we turn back now again to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus declared to his followers, his disciples, ye are the light of the world. And then he makes a point about himself, really is what it is. He says that a city set on a hill cannot be hid. This is really intriguing that occurs here, this declaration in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. This was a sermon that Jesus preached outside on the hillside where you would overlook the Sea of Galilee. I've been there. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place in the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. And from there, you can see the entire sea. You know, we get out of perspective things when we just see it on a map. But you can see all of the borders of the Sea of Galilee from where this message was preached. And everyone who was there had seen at night 
every little village around the Sea of Galilee, because the Sea of Galilee has hills and little mountains all around it. And there from that perspective on the Sea of Galilee, the most prominent city was the city of Tiberias. And to this day, that city sits on a hillside over on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, and it glistens across the Sea of Galilee, and it cannot be hid. In fact, one of the wildest things that we experienced when we were there, we actually were able to stay in a hotel right there on the Sea of Galilee on the eastern shore side, which is the dark side, because there's not much life over there. But yet we could look across, and the city of Tiberias just glistened and gleamed, and we could see the reflection in the water. And then you'd look to the south, and there was a, you couldn't see anything. It was all dark, except there was just this one little glistening light. It was Mount Tabor. And apparently there is a monastery that's on the top of that, and the entire monastery only has one light bulb. Just one. And no matter where you are in the entire region around the Sea of Galilee, you can get your perspective and bearing by looking and finding Mount Tabor, and that one light bulb shines throughout the entire sea. So you have the, sea, the city of Tiberias, and it can't be hid. But then you have Mount Tabor, the monastery. Now, what happens with light bulbs? They burn out. I've got one that burned out in my garage, and it's really disturbing to me because I get home lots of times after dark, and normally I open the garage door and there's a light. Or if the garage door is already open, as soon as I cross that invisible line, the light goes on. A few nights ago, I pulled in, and I'm like, there's no, there's no, the garage door is wide open. And so I start going in, and I'm fumbling over stuff because no light triggered. It was out. I was stumbling and fumbling. Well, I needed the light. I was in serious danger. Praise God. Elijah had cleaned up the garage that day because I might not be here if he hadn't. <laughs> As I fumbled through there to finally get in, the light was out. Well, the story is that there at Mount Tabor, if that light goes out, the entire region is calling their office, telling them they need to fix it. That's the story. But apparently, um, their office is at the bottom of the mountain, and there's no telephones at the top of the mountain. And so there's this light shining. And when it goes out, there's a problem. Everybody's disturbed by it. Well, are we disturbed and troubled when our light is not shining bright? Jesus is. For he makes it so obviously clear. He says that you're the light of the world, and a city set on a hill cannot be hid. He's declaring to us that we have the light of life. We can't be hid. We can't be hid. You see, sometimes people try to extinguish our, life, our light. We read accounts of people throughout history and either, even people in different parts of this world where their light of witness is shining so bright that people hate them for it. They persecute them. They kill them. But you know, they really can't extinguish that light. Oftentimes in the midst of persecution, the accounts come back of lights shining brighter and more lights being lit, more people getting saved. Nobody can hide it. So then why would we try to hide it? 
Jesus asks that or declares that. In verse 15, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. I wonder how many of you have ever actually put your light under a bushel? It's so obvious, of course you wouldn't do such a thing. I had a weird experience just a few weeks ago where I smelled smoke in my house, and I thought, uh-oh, and I went exploring. And I'll leave the, um, the innocent anonymous. But I walked into one of my children's bedroom, and there in the middle of the room, on the floor, on top of a blanket, better not ask. I, th I think it was even like on top of a pillow sat this beautiful birthday present candle burning. My heart skipped a beat. I quickly rushed in and blew the candle out because that's not a safe place for a candle to be. Because what's it going to do is, it seemed as if the pillow was going to be just a few feet. And then there, then there were some little people prancing around in this little candle, so excited about this candle, so wonderful, with their dresses and all their stuff. And, you know, and this, this, this candle is just right there on the floor burning. Nobody ever does that with a candle. But I started to think, hmm, I made a rule. No candles are allowed to be burned in bedrooms. Well, you and mommy have one. That's because we're in a different dispensation than you. <laughs> but it made me think of this. You know, sometimes candles get put in dangerous places and we blow them out. But you know, sometimes God puts us in dangerous places and in those places we just shine brighter. Or do we? Let us not hide our light under a bushel. Are we truly a light in this dark world? Are we the light of the world truly? For Jesus gives this command, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. You see, we're not saved by good works. We don't get the light by taking a whole list of good things we've done and coming to Jesus and saying, hey, do I got enough for the light of life? It doesn't work that way. You can't take your good works and go trade it in for the light of life. The only way to get the light of life is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to trust him. And then you get the light of life, and then you know what that is? rather who that is. It's Jesus, and he moves inside of you. And when we let him, he will cause us to do good things. He will help us to do good things. Even when it's hard, he will help us to do good things. And it's like a light. And people will notice. Now, Sometimes we trip up on this because we're like, oh, well, you know, we want to do things real quiet and see, you know, there is a point in that. We are to do things quiet, but there are times in which it's acknowledged by Jesus. 
the good works will be seen. Now, here's the key. They will see your good works. That's expected. Doesn't mean you go around parading yourself. Hey, look at me. Oh, look at me, me. I've got all these good works. No, that's disgusting. That's boasting. That's ugly. But when we quietly, patiently, humbly let Jesus, the light of the world, do good in our lives and shine brightly in our lives, people won't be able but to help see our good works. And if we are humble about it, do you know what they'll do? Jesus says it right here. They will glorify your Father, which is in heaven. You see, here's the beauty and the key of all of this. Oh, do we ever need to glory in verse 14 where he says, ye are the light of the world. We get to be called the light of the world. Why? It's because Jesus lives inside of us. What a privilege. And then Jesus says to us, this is the command, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and not glorify you, but glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, this is declaring that we, though we be the lower lights, the little lights along the shore, what are we doing? Our lights are always pointing to the lighthouse. We're always pointing to Jesus. You see, if we're always talking about Jesus and witnessing about Jesus and proclaiming his goodness, when people see our good works, they're going to put those two together. And you know the great way that people glorify the Father in heaven? They believe in Jesus and become one of his children, the Father's children. That's the greatest way. That's the greatest way that we can be a light is to be proclaiming and pointing people to Jesus. In fact, this is the very message that God has called us to. Will you take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 26? Acts chapter 26. Paul had a particular message, but you know it's not unique just for Paul. Earlier in the book of Acts, it is something that it was referred to all Christians. In fact, it's a prophecy that turns into a command. The prophecy back in the Old Testament book of Isaiah is actually a prophesy of Jesus, the eternal Son of God, who would, as the light of the world, come into a dark world, and that his light would shine even unto the Gentiles. That's the prophecy. You remember Zechariah there in the temple when Jesus was brought there? He lifted up that child and declared him to be the fulfillment of that prophecy. And he celebrated and rejoiced and gloried in it. For Jesus was the fulfillment of the light shining in darkness, a light that shines even to the Gentiles, those heathens, those non-Jews. But then in the book of Acts twice, the same prophecy that's talking about Jesus is talking about men. Look with me here. Paul, he is standing before some men who are judging whether or not he deserves to die. He has been betrayed by his own people, the Jews. He's been delivered up to the Romans. The Romans don't know what to do with them. You know why? Because they, every time they learn about him, they see this light that just is shining brighter and brighter and brighter. They even tried to get him to bribe them. He wouldn't do that. 
He just keeps on shining brighter and brighter before them. And finally, he gets the opportunity to declare his situation in all of this. And look what he says. He says that Jesus, he's quoting Jesus actually in Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, and Jesus speaking to him, and he says that he is going to send him to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, in verse 17. And this is why he's going to send them to the non-Jews, the Gentiles, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me, Jesus declares. Paul has a mission to go forth out, and so do we, of going forth, turning people from darkness to light. You've got the same mission. You've been sent to the same thing. What are you doing? How are you shining forth? And how are you out there turning people from darkness to light? I told you this occurred earlier in this book of Acts, back in chapter 13, where there it's declared, For so the Lord hath commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And what's it say the Gentiles did? When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. They heard the gospel. They heard about the light. They saw the light in these Christian disciples. They believed. They received the light. So this morning I ask you, do you have the light of life? I'm going to tell you right up front, if you don't, you are in darkness. No matter how bright the sun shines, you are in spiritual darkness. You will continue to stumble and fumble through life and eventually find yourself condemned in the lake of fire. In judgment for your sins. But that's not God's desire for you. For Jesus is the light of the world who has come into the world and he wants to come into you. And all you have to do is believe in him and you will receive the light of life. This morning, receive the light of life. Believe in Jesus. And if you already have the light of life, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How do you let your light shine? Well, I can tell you upon the authority of the word of God that you are, as a follower of Jesus, to let your light shine. But you know what? It's between you and that light as to how you let that shine. How are you proclaiming to those around you the light of life? How are you letting your light shine? You've been commanded to. So I ask you, how are you? 
How are you pointing people to Jesus, the light of the world? You've been commanded to do it. Are you doing it? Jesus has sent you forth. Are you doing it? My purpose today is not to put anyone on a guilt trip. My purpose today, as we looked at in Bible Hour this morning, is for you, me to call upon you to consider your ways. You, before the Holy Spirit, not me, reflect and consider your ways this past week. Consider how you have intentionally and specifically obeyed what Jesus has commanded you to do. He has commanded you to let your light shine. How have you done that this week? Some of you may think, well, I haven't done anything. Well, you know what sometimes happens when you are guilty? You just want to quit altogether and wallow in guilt. Don't do that, I beg you. Jesus, the light of the world, doesn't want us to live in guilt. He wants us to consider our ways and then to know that he is with us Know that he is the light of the world. Know that he is living inside of us, knowing that he wants us to shine and he wants us to obey going forward. So it's okay to consider your past, but the most important part is is that if you have considered this past week and you feel guilty, don't stop there because our adversary, the devil, wants to deceive us and make us stop right there, and that's going to cause a lot of frustration in our lives. Consider your past, but the most important part is to consider your ways. Think, consider right now, how can this week you let your light shine? Now, I'm going to give you a little hint. It's not that hard. It's all about living your life. You're still going to get up tomorrow, and you're going to eat breakfast, and then you're going to brush your teeth, and then you're going to go work. How at work are you shining the light? In the moments when you've been provoked, do you respond with grace and a smile? But it's not just your good works. Where is your witness? Are you looking for those opportunities to those who see you respond with grace? Or, let me put it this way, those who see you respond in anger, frustration, but then are humble enough to come back and say, yep, I'm sorry. They see that. Why do you do that? Why do you have the grace or why do you have the humility to confess and make things right? You need to tell them why. You need to tell them about Jesus, the light of the world. You need to be telling them about them. So often Christians don't talk about Jesus because they feel like hypocrites. So what's the solution? Stop being a hypocrite. Let Jesus do the good works through you and talk about Jesus. And you know what you'll find yourself? When you're actually doing wrong, the witness is going to be is I'm messing up. And then you say, I need Jesus. You see how this works? Because every one of us are going to mess up. 
And we do mess up, and we fail our light, and we do cover our light, and we do try to splatter it with this mud of sin. And in those times is the times when one of the greatest ways we can show forth the light is to humility, in humility, acknowledge my own mud and my own darkness and confess that I have the light of life inside of me and to share him. You know, the same is true in the workplace as it is in the home, as it is in your neighborhood. How are you proclaiming the light? Some of you have opportunities to rarely see people apart from those in your family. I encourage you to consider the words of Jesus to look for opportunities. Start with those that are part of your daily life, like going to the grocery store. To share the good news, to be that light, to be that witness. You see, we need to be not only just routine about it in our everyday lives of normal living, but we need to be intentional about it. We need to specifically be looking for the opportunities to obey the command of Jesus to let our lights shine. I encourage you as we just consider this that you would take a moment right there in the quietness of this room and would you pray to the light of the world, Jesus? Would you confess your sin if there is sin to confess? And would you ask the light of the world to show you someone whom today or this week you can specifically let your light shine to? Who can you share the wonders of Jesus with this week? Maybe it's one person. Maybe it's ten. I don't know what it is. You ask the Holy Spirit to show you, to lead you, and then to help you to be intentional about sharing the wonderful, glorious, good news of Jesus. If you're one of those people who journal or take notes or write things, write it down. Hey, you got your phone? Tell Siri to remind you about it tomorrow morning. Because if you're like me, you might be intentional right now in this pew, and tomorrow morning you go about feeding your face, brushing your teeth, and let's be intentional. Would you take some time now to meditate, to pray, to consider and talk with the light of the world, Jesus, who lives inside of you. And if he doesn't live inside of you, today receive him by believing on him.